Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcasting again. I'm, um, I find so many amazing guests on Instagram and that is how Pasha and I connected. Um, we are semi, we didn't just talk about this, but we're semi-local to each other. Are you not in New Hampshire? Am I making that I'm up? In, I'm in Maine, but I used to live in New Hampshire near like Winnipesaukee. Yeah, I'm in Massachusetts. So, you know, oh. we're, we're New Englandy. New England. <laughs> Um, but I connected with Pasha probably through mutual friends on Instagram. And, um, after following her work for a little bit, I was like, you know what, we, we need to have a podcast conversation. And she graciously agreed. So Pasha Marlowe, we will do all the connecting things in the notes, but why don't you introduce yourself to my audience and feel free to share why or why not you said yes to this podcast, but mostly like, what is the work that you do and how do you show up in the world? Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor to be here. So thank you very much for having me. Uh, I started as a marriage and family therapist, but now I call myself a therapeutic comedy coach, which I made up, but I needed a platform that brought in my work, which is paradoxical, the pain and the pleasure, the trauma and the humor, the darkness and the light, which exists in every human experience, but certainly the traumatic ones um, and the ones filled with grief and shame and loss and all the things. And so um, as I got older, I'm 50 now, um, I just felt like the thing that was missing from my life was I, I think I never had fun uh, for 50 years. I'm pretty sure I was in a very heavy place where I was productive and I was um, nice and kind and parenting my children in a loving way, kind of parent of uh, marriage was a little rocky, but, um, but I feel like I wasn't good to myself. I feel like I missed the part of life that was supposed to be pleasurable and fun. And mm -hmm. I feel like my traumas were holding me back. And I had worked through them in traditional therapy and yoga and somatic healing and exercise and meditation and fill in the blank, but it wasn't working for me. I needed like a back door way in and through my trauma. And so one day I was reading Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning yes. which is about the Holocaust. Yeah. And I was not, I was reading it because I was grieving uh, my youngest son's illness. And I wanted to know how people who went through trauma survived it and continued to thrive and, and love and move on. And I saw one or two sentences in there that said the people who survived the Holocaust were those that continued to laugh in community. And it was at the perfect time at the perfect moment. And I realized mm -hmm. I never laugh. I never learned to laugh. I didn't grow up with laughter. I don't access laughter. Maybe this is something that could work. So long story short, I started to research laughter, which sounds really dorky. Oh my God, I, I was love it. researching laughter and researching comedy. And in that work, I just kept getting everything from feelings of 
calling to that tingling that you get when you know you're onto something that's healing. And then I brought it into my grief work with my son and my son and I moved mm -hmm. through a couple years of medical trauma with humor. And I am a hundred percent certain that that's why he's still here today because we had to move through pain and suicidal ideation and a lot of other messy things. And, um, and we learned to laugh when things were at their worst. So I started to bring it into my work and I became a therapeutic comedy coach and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching with that lens of uh, humor. Oh and, yeah. I got That's chills cool. when you said we learned to laugh when things were at their worst. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's not in the moment always. It's not like we're right. Sometimes you know, just looking back and yeah. Yeah. Like 2020 is now finally funny. Was it funny? March, 2020? No, you know, um, yeah. now yeah. we can look back and see some humor around the edges and parameters of it. And I think that's true with a lot of traumas. Some people move through it more quickly. There's like a mathematical equation, time plus trauma equals comedy. And even after something like 9-11, you know, SNL and comedians did not do any right. comedy that first week. And the second week they said, our country needs this. They felt it was enough time and it, and it was, it felt that way too, for other um, audience member, I guess out yeah. in the world, um, that we needed to still release that tension that we were feeling that was being, that was built up. We need to release it as, even if nothing was funny to be able to laugh is like a way of expressing, I feel grief, anger, joy. Like I could roar with laughter out of grief. I could roar with laughter out of anger um, or desire. Yeah. Okay. So I have lots of questions. One is like a researchy question. Why is it, why is it that laughter and that kind of like raw joy releases some of the, mm. some of the trauma and some of the pain? Yeah. Well, the laughter itself, which is kind of cool that like at three months, every baby in the world starts to laugh, no matter if they're born in you know uh, war or I've never uh, thought about that. Yeah. And so and then it's basically conditioned out of us by the world. <laughs> and so it's innate, it, like our innate state is joy, which is good to remember when we're going through the darkness. And so laughter, all the chemicals releases endorphins and all those things, but it's a release of what's stuck in our throat. I talk a lot about the energetic yeah, connection course. between throat chakra yes. and sacral chakra and a lot of our traumas that are held in our sacral chakra um, and that connection. I've also, uh, in my work, I show the, um, even the structural um, similarities between the, the larynx and the bulb. It's so cool. Anyhow, um, I think it's a release of secrets and shame and all that we hold in, like all the emotion, just like a scream, just like a good cry. It, it's the same. And so our mind doesn't know, I'm sorry, our body doesn't know that we're not happy and laughing because something's funny after 40 seconds of laughter. So sometimes I'll just do a laugh off mm -hmm. and the first 10 seconds are quite awkward. Everyone's like, ha ha, like they're crying or they're, or they're um, awkward, you know, ha 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 ha. And then we start, <laughs> and then we start laughing and then now we're laughing at other people's sounds. We're doing yes. it in a community. And after 40 seconds, we're actually Wow. Quite in that state of, of, of a lighter, uh, state of lighter yeah. vibration of happiness and joy 
or silliness or like, this is weird, but it feels yeah. good. I don't know why I'm crying and laughing at the same moment um, in laughter yoga, which I've taught actually to um, people in grief. We laughed while we were saying what it was we were grieving about. We would say a sentence oh. and laugh through it. It's just a different way to rework the brain because trauma wow. changes the brain. Yeah. And so yeah, it's just a different angle. Okay. So how do you know you're ready for that shift? Yeah. Like, there's, okay, there's two things going to mind. It's like, one is how do you know you're ready to introduce laughter as a means for healing? And then the other, I, I think they're kind of pretty separate. So answer them however you want is what happens when your laughter is perceived by the world as cold or detached or rude, right? But it's yeah. your way of healing. Like, right. So yeah, they're, they're two pretty separate things, but they both popped in for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between laughter and comedy, first of all, but when I feel ready for laughter, might be sooner than I feel ready for the oh, comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I might be ready. I might be laughing at a funeral because I'm nervous. And I'd be like, why am I laughing? Like, you know what I mean? And that's different than finding something funny or creating humor or comedy. Um, so I think it that's more of a um, physiological, you know, response, yep. I guess. But um, as for your other um, question, it happens a lot as a therapist when I was a marriage and family therapist. I would have people talk about their past sexual traumas or religious traumas. And often they'd be like, almost laugh it off. They're like, oh my gosh, you don't even want to hear about my childhood. Yes. Like my mom, oh my God. Right, you know, right, right. Like, and I find myself doing that. I laugh at my own mother wounds through laughter so that I can survive it because sometimes it's so heavy, it's mm -hmm. hard to even talk about it. And you have to like, let it out in that way. It's a mechanism, a defense mechanism that some people have. Um, do Does the entire world receive it well or understand it? No. I have friends who are moving through grief of losing their, um, one, one friend of mine is moving through grief of losing her husband and her child. Mm -hmm. And um, probably a week or two later, she was making TikTok, um, funny TikTok videos because it was the only thing she was looking forward to every day. And some of them were about grief and death and dying. And yeah. she gets a lot of feedback, some negative about like, how can you laugh about this? But yeah. for her, it's her, it's her way out and through. And she actually feels as it's honoring her husband and child's yeah. humor and inability to maybe feel, um, that joy. So she wants to honor that. I talked to somebody the other day on my podcast whose family survived the Holocaust and she mindfully orientates herself to pleasure and humor in honor of them because they can't. And so it's almost this like relentless fiery, um, you know, when you go through something hard, you're like determined on a different level to access joy or pleasure or humor or purpose mm. in life. And, uh, and I just feel like it changes us. Mm. I, when I feared, when I faced the fear of losing my youngest son yeah. uh, to suicide, I was like, okay, I need to get my own life figured out. And, um, and it changed me. It changed, it changed how I thought about everything. Um, and there's, 
it's hard to see the edges and parameters of humor around things when you're in the middle of the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's different for everyone. I I love this idea that like, you know, it allows us to, when we can access the humor in that way, we access the grief in a different way. It like, just like, I love this idea of just it opening and kind of cracking and expanding all the feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. In ways that you can kind of creatively and perspectively and whatever the words are, just like everything kind of shifts a little and wiggles and then you can breathe again. Yeah. You see it with new perspective. Um, I, And again, in the moment, none of this was funny, but I have a couple of examples. Um, My current husband, I'm on my second, second of, I I wrote a book. Congratulations. Thank you. My my book is, my next husband will be a lesbian, but that's the name of my book. My second (laughs) husband, who I'm currently with, um, told me about an affair, his latest affair on Valentine's Day not funny in the moment, not, not at all. funny in the moment, but really hard for me not to giggle when you tell me. Exactly. <laughs> I laugh about it now. I'm like, it was so bad. The timing was so bad. It's yeah. funny. And yeah. thank goodness he did it on that day now, because now he's like part of my comedy routine. Um, and when I think about it, I think that was the stupidest timing to tell me, yeah. um, but now it's funny. And it actually helps me move through yeah. The anger and the shame and the guilt around that. Uh, my son, when he was very much in the middle of his uh, pain and grief and suicidal ideation, um, we were like hiding, you know, anything sharp in the house. And one day I slept in that one damn day I slept in, I came downstairs into the kitchen and he was already awake and, and he was covered in like red sticky stuff. And of course, of course, oh, my yeah, mind course. went, yeah towards blood. And on the counter was a watermelon with something like 20 knives stuck in it because he was taking out his grief and anger on the watermelon. Thank goodness. That was a smart genius. Actually, it was really genius. It was like, rather than hurting himself, he was, and, and yet I was like, Oh, like, I felt like I was walking into a murder scene. Yeah. Now looking back, it's hilarious that like where my mind went was like just so different from what was actually happening. And what was actually happening was a um, healing and later a funny moment, but in the moment, not at all funny. Not at yeah. all funny. Yeah. Um, my mom is very German. I will say mean. And at, when I was a child, she would put nails in a chair, like with the pokey part sticking out so that we wouldn't slouch. So we wouldn't like, so our posture would be good. And, and then it was. And so whenever somebody tells me like, I have good posture, I think about that, but I don't think yeah. about it in the sense of like trauma, childhood trauma, childhood abuse. And my mom was so mean. I actually think how hilarious it is because it's so bad. It's funny. Yeah. There's a lot of life. So that's like that. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's the true. irony or the timing. Sometimes yeah. there's words around what happened. I can't think of a thing at the moment, but sometimes there's sounds that happen or um, words or smells or just something around it, around our senses around it. That's funny. Um, But yeah, it's, (laughs) it takes orientation towards it. Just like anything, if you have the awareness that something could be funny, like if I get into a fender bender, not a big car accident, obviously, but if I get into fender bender, I'm like, 
is this going to be funny one day? Because right mm-hmm. now it's super annoying and inconvenient, but someday it's going to be funny. Yeah. And I think about that. It doesn't have to be if you're a comedian or ever going to do a comedy routine, but it certainly lightens our load if we can imagine that someday there will be purpose and a gift and a silver lining and maybe even something fun about it. Yeah. Okay. So tell me the, like the, like you talked about laughter versus comedy. What about like comedy versus humorous irony? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so I was just trying to think, okay, I'm very much at peace with my abortion And I've definitely added some humor. Like I call it the immaculate IUD removal. And like, when I say that, it's funny to me. Like, it's just funny. (laughs) I don't know. I I also imagine like I had this sign up that was like, baby's not welcome. (laughs) And the sign fell down, right? IUD fell out, not intended. The sign fell down and (laughs) the baby came in. And I was like, oh, no problem there was a sign up you didn't see you it didn't see like, the sign get out. <laughs> so that is I suppose a way that's brilliant that I have added some humor to my own abortion experience yes. um I think there are times too like I'm remembering a family dinner where my daughter said I feel like someone else should be here and I was like oh she's here <laughs> Mm. like to me it was just like just but do you know what I mean by that difference between like irony and humor or like I I I feel like they're intertwined because I feel like there's so much irony in humor so I'm not sure I exactly understand the, the question but I do I do think that irony can be um funny and I think it's so individualized because I understand what you're saying about how you find those things funny, but somebody else might not um, oh. understand, you know, the, the humor in it. Um, and and then I think, well, you're the one who's healing and it's your, you know, body. And yeah, your here's brain. an example. Like one of the things I think a lot is the way I realized how much love I had in me as a mother, one of those ways like a huge piece of that was choosing abortion Mm. right like it was the hardest Mm -hmm. and most loving thing I could have done and to me there's like maybe irony is not the word maybe I'm using a word wrong but like it's kind of funny that not funny that the way I realized how much love I had as a mother was to say no to a child like yes which yeah. some people would call murder right like some so pro-life person is like you murdered your child to figure out what a loving mother you were and I'd be like yeah I guess so <laughs> right right and and there's there's humor in that and it's I guess I see it as more paradoxical but but it's, it's yeah potentially, okay. it's potentially um irony as well um, so now I'm trying to b- retrieve in my brain, like the exact definition no, of, of irony. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of that Alanis Morissette song. Isn't it ironic? But then I remember learning that all of her examples were actually not ironic, that that wasn't the proper use of the word. So I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, but yes, I, I talked to um, several of my friends prior to doing this podcast about their experience 
um, their abortions. Yeah, and yeah. some of them were um, laughing about some of the silly things they said when they were very high on those drugs. Um, yeah. And and um, some of the some of them were talking about some of the hallucinations they saw. Some of them somebody saw a purple penguin, and you know she was remembering that as well. Yeah. Um, and so there's everyone's going to experience it so differently. I th I was thinking about the humor of you know what if all doctor appointments or procedures were politicized and what if in all procedures and doctor's appointments we had to you know watch a movie read huge pamphlets right. look at ultrasounds like that would be um you know hilarious yeah. if we went yeah. through every yeah. single procedure out there and then showed how um the 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 injustice of that right yeah. and so well that's funny because this morning i was in the shower mm -hmm. and i came out and i said to my husband you're not going to understand this but i'm going to say it anyway because i need to say it out loud yes um back in january i had toe surgery i have like this kind of minor arthritic procedure and i was like it's kind of funny that I regret my toe surgery and I do not regret my abortion. <laughs> that is funny, right? Like it's kind of funny, right? I, yes. so that comes back to what you're saying about like, imagine if we treated every procedure like this, like, what if I was like holding up signs? Like I regret my toe surgery. Like <laughs> you should talk to a mental health professional before you get toe surgery. Right. Right. Picture like people like at the gate praying for oh. you and holding up the signs, you know, before you get your mammogram or your colonoscopy or an eye check or yeah. like uh, your toe surgery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, kind of funny, right? It's kind of funny, right? I was like, I have so much regret for this surgery. Like, I wish I'd thought it through more. I wish I'd, you know, like all the things people say about abortion. I'm like, yeah, I don't say any of those about my own abortion. I have no regret, but I have all of those for my toe surgery. <laughs> I, I think that's hilarious. And I mean, I doing a comedy routine about abortion has been done and it was extremely controversial. The few that I saw and heard about, yeah. um, there was a new one recently. Which um, one is that's that? so good. Um, it was like, a. Uh, what's the um, HBO Max, I think. Okay. Um, oh my God, I'm totally going to link to it. And I know it's in my stories. Hold on one sec. It's so funny. She does this whole thing about takeout boxes and Beth Stelling. I've never heard of her. I'll definitely okay, watch. She's hilarious. And I'm going to link and I'm going to send you the link. Okay. It's really hilarious abortion yeah. comedy <laughs> yeah and it's um but the power of comedy to make you think about something differently is so phenomenal yes. I mean the way you think about abortion after her bit is like oh now I get it well that's what it before yeah yeah that's what I love about the comedy that I'm researching and, and doing and studying right now, um, and not only performing, but coaching women through is about learning, like learning about themselves, yeah. but then also learning and unlearning for the audience. So, you know, there's no one way liberation. If we're talking about our sexual traumas or whatever, fill in the blank, and we're releasing that shame and guilt that we've been holding on. And those secrets are now, you know, turning into, 
um, laughter, humor, comedy, somebody else in the audience, hundred percent of the time is like, they're holding up their hands. They're, they're laughing, they're crying, they're, um, they're texting us, they're emailing and they're saying, thank you so much for sharing that. I felt that way too, or, you know, just a sense of belonging. So it's, it's an expression of truth. It's radical truth telling. And we just do it through comedy, but it's not stand-up comedy, Mm -hmm. crass, making fun of people, or we call it punching down. Like we're not roasting, you know, people are being extremely empathetic and sensitive and inclusive in our um, presentation, aware of the audience, aware of, um, you know, holding space for them with grace and forgiveness, holding space for ourselves with grace and forgiveness towards, you know, whatever decision we made in our life and then thanking ourselves for making that decision because it's what got us to this place right now and to our future selves. Yeah. Oh, it is really so good. And I had said to you before we started recording, I had a moment today when I was the chiropractor thinking about uh, a friend who has cancer and just laying on the table and being like, he needs humor. Like, he just needs mm. humor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, oh, good. I'm, I'm recording about that today. But yeah, there is something so instinctual about humor through grief. It's yes. like really, really deep, strong connection. Yeah, it's it's very from the gut, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So if you tell your friend, um, you know I'm sorry, you just found out you have cancer. You should find some humor in it. That might not go over well, but, <laughs> but, you know, maybe what I sometimes say when I'm talking to my clients who are moving through this, um, I'll say, when you go to the hospital today for your treatment, yeah, um, orientate yourself toward the possibility of humor. And when you're looking around the room mm-hmm. at the, at the equipment, at even is, if it's how bad the bedside manner is, my son and I, so often laugh when we're going through painful treatments for him, we go into a hospital and the choice of artwork on the walls, the, oh, choice, totally. the choice of TV shows are showing in the waiting room. It's like going to a airport and like having them show a movie about an uh, airline crash. About like 9-11. Was, yeah. Right. It's like, the, what are you showing us in a uh-huh. pediatric center? And so then it's so bad. It's funny. And that takes wow. our power back. Um, I love that. Yeah. And so when, when, um, hypothetically your friend goes into treatment and getting, let's say chemo or something, you know, um, there might be a, a color about it or a smell or a sensation that is also strangely like, I mean, I don't know the color I should know. Um, maybe it's so bright yellow, orange, it looks like Cheetos. Like, I don't know, maybe yeah. there's just something right. that you could correlate two random things with. And one really cool trick to do with that is you, a uh, way to practice it, you know, you look around your room and you find two random objects. I don't know, like I have like healing crystal, uh, bracelet and I have on my phone, a sticker of a uterus, which yeah. is actually kind of funny because when I go to Texas, I don't know if you can see it. They seriously yeah. think yeah. it's a bull. They're like, that's cool. You have a bull <laughs> on your phone. Like no, in Texas of all places, <laughs> it's a uterus. Exactly. And so anyhow, you find two random objects and then you just start making a list of like all the things that are, that are, um, you know, how this 
looks, sounds, smells, tastes, whatever. This is how people came up with, like they were calling Trump Cheeto head because his hair and face was orange or, you know, they're like, yeah. what else is yeah. orange? Oh, Cheetos are orange. And so you correlate the two. Yeah. And so there's ways to find bits of humor and things that aren't at all necessarily funny at the moment um, mm -hmm. or in and of themselves. Like sometimes you have to make the correlations, you know, does your medicine, my daughter, when she was taking a lot of medicine, um, when she was very sick, her, her medicine was like fluorescent yellow, thick goop. And, and it looked like paint. And so we were painting things in the house, that color, just because it was, try, we we're trying to like, okay, how can we bring some levity to the fact that you're drinking this disgusting, you know, medicine? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've said two things that I think the audience can really reflect on. Um, not that that's it and there's not more coming, but one is to orient, orient yourself to the possibility of humor. I love that. A lot of people do listen to this show, like, should I have an abortion? So okay. anyone going into um, a procedure could absolutely do that. Um, but even just like, I don't know, in your, in your home, in your space, in your conversations with loved ones, um, going into coaching or therapy or anything. Like, I love that to just allow for the possibility of yes. humor. Yep. And yes. then you said like, also, how is this going to be funny one day? One day. Which is makes so much room for like, it's not funny now, but if it were going to be funny someday, what, how, would, what would that look like? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was pretty pissed that my IUD fell out and I didn't know it fell out. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the IUD. I was mad at all the things, right? This yes. was not supposed to happen. So yes. in the moment, that was not funny at all. But now when I say immaculate IUD removal, I chuckle. Like, that's pretty funny. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. In my in my third pregnancy, I just had a hip replacement. Um, and the doctors were very like, I, they were like, I don't even know how you got pregnant. Cause I was still on crutches and a walker and like bandaged up. They're like, how did you even do that? Mm -hmm. Um, and they said that, that I should terminate the pregnancy because of the danger of the metal particles going through, yeah. um, the womb. anyhow, right. um, I chose not to terminate, but we called Jamie, who's now my yeah. son, Edward Scissorhands in the womb, like every day of that pregnancy, yeah. like we just called him Edward Scissorhands because he's like call all metal and he's going to come out like, and, um, you know, we, we find ways to right. like step back and be witness to ourselves. Oh, this is what it feels like to go into a medical procedure. That's potentially scary or sad. You yeah. know, this is, this is me walking through grief. Oh, this is me losing somebody I love, or this is me yeah being abused. This is uh, from a state of curiosity more yeah. than criticism um, to, to see it in a different light. Yeah. And just that those brain patterns that get created, I am, this, science is not my thing, but <laughs> right? if you can lighten your experience with even the possibility of humor, when you're looking back in five, 10 years, you your brain feels that lightness. It might not know why, but if you're going to your abortion or you're going into, you know, healing work after your abortion and all you feel is like a victim and, you know, 
angry at the system and blaming and like all that heaviness, that's what you're going to remember in 10, 20, 30 years. Yes. And if you can attach some lightness to it, that's what your brain will, that's what your body will remember. Yeah. And in regards to that specific word, light and lighten, if we could go into it thinking not that we're making light of something, right. but, but we're enlightening, yeah. right? We're enlightening yeah. and we're becoming more aware and present to yeah. whatever the experience is. Yeah. Um, When you think about light, like the name of the podcast, speaking light, it's to me, it's just like shining a light on all of it. Like this is funny and it's terrible. It's terrible. Right. This is like, Mm -hmm. I feel grief and relief. It's just like put light on the whole thing, all of it. It's not to take away the grief. It's not to take away the anger. It's like literally just to like allow it all to be there. Yes. Like this is funny and it sucks. Yes. That's exactly um, how I feel. And that's why, that's why I called my program roar with laughter. Cause I, I mean, a roar is a guttural cry. Right. And I was like, we can laugh through the tears. We can have grief and joy in the same moment. Yeah. Um, we can hold it all. And frankly, that's what life, the older I get, the more I realize every moment is a letting go of something and, and that we have to, you know, start to find the, uh, um, cyclicality in it all and the, um, the human experience of it all. Yeah. And yeah. even that letting go, like you can't let something go until you acknowledge that it's there. Yeah. Right. You're not going to grieve something you let go of unless there's love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, there was a lingering question I had about your son, if you don't mind that I I was going to not ask, but I still feel like I should. So you found humor, laughter as a healing modality for yourself. How did you know when it was time to introduce it to his experience? So yes, great. Maybe, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Right, because just because I started researching and it yeah. started working for me doesn't mean I can um, <laughs> you know, tell everyone in my family, this is how we're going to handle things from now on. Um, yeah, yeah. Like if I find ways to heal in my abortion process, that I think are funny, but my partner is still really sad and traumatized by the whole thing. How do I know if someone else is ready for? Yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a tricky question because it's certainly, um, more intuitive than something like, oh, well, they'll start doing this and then you'll know. But, um, but I was fortunate for me that when it's, when his illness started, he was 11 and um, uh, an 11 year old loves things like potty humor and right. gross humor. And so we would start with that. Um, he would, in the beginning to test the waters, he would, he was, he was sleeping with me because he was scared and in pain every night. And he would go to bed. The last thing he would say every single night is I hurt so much. And then he'd wake up and he'd say pain. And just the first and last word I'd hear every day. And he would turn to me and he, he said pain one morning and I was holding space for his pain, not trying to just move him through it. Yeah. And I said, I said, it sounds like so much pain. And I said, um, and then I, and then I said, tell me about the pain. He says, all I know 
is I would do anything to get rid of it. And because I was orientated towards humor and at that moment, awake enough to remember I was, I said, what would you do um, to get rid of your pain? And he said, anything. I said, well, I don't know. What would you do? He said, I would eat eyeballs. I said, you would eat eyeballs. He said, I would eat eyeballs if, if I could make my pain go away. And mm. I said, what kind of eyeballs would you eat? Yeah. And he said, I don't know. I'd eat horse eyeballs. I'd eat fish eyeballs. I'd eat warthog eyeballs. I'm like, warthog eyeballs. That sounds disgusting. How many warthog eyeballs would you eat if you didn't have to feel pain? He's like, I would, my 12, 21 is my favorite number. So I would eat 21 warthog eyeballs. Now we're laughing mm -hmm. about a minute later, yeah, that I'm whole thing that. lasted oh, about I a minute. Again. Yeah. And so if you were to just test the waters in that kind of interaction, obviously that's a childlike interaction, yeah. but I can imagine doing that with, um, like if my partner was going through something like chemo, like just like, could you step into it a little bit and see if they bite, you know, can yeah. you just notice yeah. if they're open to it and, yeah. um, and let them lead, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I actually have spoken with multiple clients who had like even planned pregnancies as in like single mom by choice or like IVF. And then they realized they didn't want a, a child, right? Like then they realized they wanted an abortion. Not funny, but could be funny, right? Like you could, that's sort of that irony piece of yeah. like, okay, this is not how I thought I would <laughs> finish this right. pregnancy. So <laughs> um, unexpected. Yeah. yeah. So I can imagine like kind of even just playing with yourself, like, is this funny yet? It's not funny yet, but maybe someday it will be funny. <laughs> and and what I do on the days where I'm still very much grieving and scared for my son's health, I will go to my now Roar community, which eight seasons later is um, like 80, uh, 60 to 80 women. Yeah, oh, so good. Yeah, of all midlife women who've been through their own stuff. And yeah. I'll say, I'm having such a hard day. I can't think of a single thing that's funny. I don't see any pleasure or humor in this. It's just hard. It's just hard. And I'm crying and I'm in fetal position and I'm, you know, just stuck in my own um, grief. And, and they hold space and they say, um, are you lying on your bathroom floor? I'm like, yes. And they're like, what else do you see? And I needed them to just help me through it. And it's like, I see a rubber ducky. You know, I see like, you start thinking about like, where are you when you're in the middle of this grief? And is there anything even around you in that moment? That could be funny. Maybe there's something about the rubber ducky. That's funny. It's not me lying on the bathroom floor. Funny. Well, maybe it is me lying on the bathroom floor. Is that funny? But what I'm crying about isn't funny, Yeah. but yeah. around the yeah. edges of it, there was humor. Yeah. And then they, they had me laughing yeah. about looking or even like, you know, the last time I remember lying on the bathroom floor like this was in college when I was hungover. And exactly. now I'm lying on the bathroom floor sobbing over the loss of like a millimeter long fetus or my son's illness. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really germaphobic. Like I don't like cleaning the toilet or getting near a toilet <laughs> at any time. And yeah. then I was like hugging it. I was like hugging it. I needed, I, I was like a teddy bear. I'm like, look at me hugging the toilet. I mean, there's like, there's weird where if there's so much yeah. comedy in our life, like our trauma makes us funny. Our life is already funny. You're already the funniest person in the room. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
It's just like that. Let all your weirdness come out. Yeah. 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 So good. Thank you so much. Is there anything um, we didn't talk about that you wanted to share? Hmm. I don't believe so. I, I feel like that was, I feel complete. I feel good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I found you on Instagram. Is that the best place to find you or is that what's the best place for people to find you? Okay. So I'm 50 and I started on Facebook and I'm a little newer to Instagram, but I can do it and I'm on it, (laughs) but I sometimes forget to look there. So you could find me easier on Facebook, but I'm at Pasha Marlowe on both. So my name Pasha Marlowe will get you to my Facebook or to the Instagram and my website just to make it easy is PashaMarlo.com. Awesome. And we'll link it all up, but for anyone who wants to find you and roar sounds amazing. Do you want to share? Like, yeah. What if somebody listening is like, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Yes. I'm not the coach for them. Probably, even though I do laugh a lot in my coaching, I'm probably not the one to help you make all those connections. I don't know. Maybe I could do it, but I think you're the one, like what if somebody wants guidance on that? Yeah. The roar with laughter program is usually six to eight women who are going through really hard times Yeah, and they're trying to access humor. And so it's this beautiful, empathetic, safe space that looks a little bit like group therapy and a lot like comedy sometimes, but depending, you know, on the day. And so the Roar of Laughter program, another one's, well, my next one's starting July 7th. And then the next round will be in September. And so every eight to 10 weeks, another uh, cohort begins and it's open to people who have no performance experience or comedy experience or laughter experience or people who have dabbled in theater in the past. And they just want to get that creative um, kind of thrill back. Uh, it's usually a combination of the two and it's not only stand up it could look more like a moth performance or a song one woman sang she mm-hmm. like wrote a song all the words that people have called her vagina oh, and she made okay. a song about it and she reclaimed <laughs> a lot of her um, <laughs> feminine power because there is a pussy pun week in roar with laughter where we write a song to or from our pussy and we tell oh my god so good there's a pleasure Mm -hmm. aspect that's either well it could be anything from sensuality to sex to sexuality to just the orientation towards pleasure because that's fun and joyful so that's part of the program so it brings you through these eight weeks from rupture to rapture and it's open to all women um or female identified people and um and it's i'll be in my ninth season in september um, and I also do one-on-one coaching because sometimes people really don't want the group dynamic yet, yeah, or they feel yeah. like they want to um, just feel a little bit less vulnerable. And some people don't want to do a performance, totally understandable. Um, so I offer one-on-one uh, coaching for the, for therapeutic comedy. And I also offer, um, and I can give you the Calendly link a free, I call it a liberation call, but yeah. like I'm completely open to somebody just calling. Let's just talk about like, is this even, are you feeling ready for this right. or is it in the cards for you? So yeah, that's good. I offer those consultations all the time. I'm happy good. to hold space for that. Awesome. I'm so excited to release this episode. Thank you. And um, I don't know, I'll probably keep seeing you on Instagram. <laughs> 
I don't know that I'll be. I, able hope, to so. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay connected. And um, anyone, please reach out to Pasha or just keep looking. Keep looking for the ways um, abortion can be funny, because certainly not how the standard conversation about abortion is going. Yes. Yes. All right. Thank you, Thank you so Bye. much for having me. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.